Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend, my partner in radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, we're without Ronald this week. Ronald is on the road. Ronald is, is doing what Ronald does best, which is leaving abruptly and being mysterious and wanting us to shut the show down completely while he's gone. Um, it's, a, it's a time, man. It's interesting. Wh- where do you think Ronald is and what do you think he's doing? I think I saw a clue on uh, the social medias that he may be in North Carolina, okay. but he there, there was no mention of where okay. or really duration with us. I, maybe a, he said he was going to miss a couple weeks, but I'm not entirely yeah, sure. Yeah, he was going to miss a couple weeks but I, for sure. You made the observation, and I thought it was a very astute <laughs> one, that we can tell Ronnie's excitement and dedication about the show by whether he's like, take it without me, boys, in which case... He might just be gone forever. Right. Whereas if he's like, why don't why don't we just hit pause on this thing, yeah. uh, release some old? What? If, how did he say it? Like best of? He's like you guys can just run some reruns hits. while I'm gone. You know, he's like, why don't you shut the whole thing? I was down? like, yeah, we don't. <laughs> the whole nature of this show is that we don't have any greatest hits. Right. There are no great hits. Right. We just we don't even remember what we talked about eight minutes I'm like, ago. Baby, we got so, sponsors to keep happy. We got to keep food on the table yeah. here at Happy Rant Corporate. So. Um, yeah, man, we got to just go for it. Now, who do you think he's working out in North Carolina? Like, what's the angle? Ronald never travels, like, without a purpose. Yeah, I'm wondering if this is a if this is a vacation thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so the purpose is, is Instagrammable rest. Or if it's, or if, you know, yeah, if there's like a, there's a, there's a networking thing going on. Yeah, here. I'm guessing networking. Ronald's always, he's always got some hooks in the water, but... Instagrammable rest will definitely be a thing that that happens as well. So we'll have a couple of weeks here to to kind of keep an eye on it, see what materializes on uh, on social. And uh, I mean, there's already been two pictures: one of a a, fr- a fellow pastor friend doing delicious things on a grill, mm-hmm. and the other was of his wife reading a Eugene Peterson biography, which <laughs> is like two of two of his favorite things in a single photo. And I think it may have been on a porch swing. Of so like, it was. it was kind of. The the perfect context. The pastor's yeah. wife at leisure. What could be better? Now, who was the who was the grilling pastor? Was he some someone of any fame or renown? Because that could be a clue as to I, who Ronald's working on the on the trip. No, I think it's I think it's just a, a guy who's you know deeply you know they just connected in their network, but not necessarily like a big author. Nice, guy. nice. But he may be he may be one of the guys who's doing those like church and small town kinds of things. Uh, oh. Dude, that could that could be the corner that Ron's trying to stake out. Small town pastor. Yeah, publishing. I think I think it's the guy. I think it's the guy he was telling us about who is, who yeah, who's writing a book about like church in small places, um, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I could see that being uh being being a point of traction for our boy. Um, we'll definitely keep an eye on it, pipe. But we've got a lot of content to get into ourselves this week, including a music related thing, which I'm kind of. I'm a little bit glad I'm not I'm not dropping that bombshell with Ronald here. Um, I don't know how that would go over, but we can get into it, Pipe, after you tell us about Dwell Bible, our business partner. Yes, our dearly beloved <laughs> business partner. Uh, Dwell is an audio Bible app, listeners, and uh, it is, it's available on all mobile platforms. So if you go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant, you can check out their special offers for our listeners, but then just explore what they've got. Um, they, uh, their 
they have multiple Bible versions. They have listening playlists. They have different features in terms of like a sleep feature and a listen, like a listen and reflect feature. Or it'll play something on repeat with a pause in between, which is great for reflection or memorization, especially. Um, it's something that you and I have both said that we use with some regularity. And my wife listens to it pretty much every morning while she's getting ready for work, uh, which that's kind of the best thing about an audio Bible is that it fits into the kind of the margins, yep. you know, where you can't sit down and read, but you do want to have scripture in your life. I often use it when I'm uh, either exceptionally weary <laughs> or exceptionally like just not in a good frame of mind. Totally. And I find it really beneficial. So multiple narrators, they have music that you can play in the background, just feature on feature on feature, and they're constantly updating it. So again, go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant. Uh, the discount is 10% off the annual subscription for our listeners, anybody who purchases through that link, or 33% off the lifetime subscription, which is a really good deal. I mean, to get to get one third off, it puts it, I think it puts it at under $100 for uh, access to this thing forever. So if you think about a monthly, you know, $5 a month or $6 a month, you know, if you do that for a year and a half, you have paid more than you would for this you know, lifetime subscription. So um, really good deal. Again, dwellapp.io slash happy rant. Check it out. Yeah, dude, we love dwell here in the household. I know that sometimes we uh, we have ha-has about our sponsors, but dwell is one that uh, we both love it. We both use it. I sold a dwell subscription this week. Thanks to to your help, Pipe. It took, uh, it took a village. It took the whole happy rant corporate team. But um, but yeah, our listeners seem interested and, uh, and we love that, that product. Um, speaking of product, Piper... And speaking of putting out product, um, I don't know what happened, but I, I kind of messed around and released a pop song this week. Um, you listened to it in the carpool line. Did you did you play it for your girls? No, I didn't. Um, I just I was listening to it while waiting for them to get out of uh, the school bus. There you go. So um, that way I could give focused attention to it. Cause my understanding is you, you get, you get writer credit on this for the lyrical portion in large. Yeah. Port. I get writer credit and, right? and I get uh, a little bit of vocal credit. So let me, let me tell you the story of how this came about because it was, I think my love language is like joke projects that turn real. And, um, I had a kid in my class, um, I, for example, the happy rant, for example, yeah, for example, the happy rant book, this whole podcast, this whole podcast absolutely. You kind of do it on a whim. You're having some ha ha's. And then one day you realize it's a, it's a real thing that's out there. But, uh, I have this exceptional student. His name's Davis Smith. He's a happy rant listener. So Dave, if you're out there, uh, we love you, man. We love you from the show. Um, Dave's a huge fan of the happy rant and he was a transfer student to union. Uh, he came to us from Belmont and like on day one, he was just one of those guys that like you can tell has the sparkle, you know, he had kind of big wild hair, great ideas, great in the room guy, um, was just a joy to have in class. And I found out that he is quite a musician. Like he's got a Spotify, Davis Smith music, um, well, I mean, he came from Belmont. So, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's that's kind of what they do there. Came to us, wanted to go to a Christian college, you know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> shots, fired. shots fired. Shout out, shout out, Union. Um, anyway, we're talk. We were talking one day, and I was I was complimenting his music, and um, I was like, Dave, because we're we're both kind of on this self loathing hipster spectrum where we can't do the fully commercial thing. I was like, what if we get together for like two hours? And we write the most ubiquitous, like center cut, cliche pop song imaginable, uh, and then record it. 
thinking it would never happen. Um, lo and behold, one night I wrote the lyrics, shot them to Dave. The next morning, he's like, hey, I've got music. Like, I've got a melody for it. And before we knew it, we were like in my office with recording equipment, um, tracking the vocals. And the funny thing is, we, we put this thing out. We dropped it in my classes yesterday. Uh, so we played it in my classes and we put up flyers just in my building uh, because we had a girl in our class, too, who like never said a word the whole semester, but she was always drawing and she was doodling like these beautiful pictures. And one day I was just like, hey, Shelby, why don't you why don't you draw something for the band? And then like 12 minutes later, she created a poster with like a QR code that would like take you to the website for the song. And uh, it just became a whole thing. So the name of the band is Chevu. Uh, it's the French word for hair. Um, cause Dave has big hair. I've got a lot of hair. We were going to call the band L'Oreal after our favorite line of hair products. But then we realized like we didn't want to spend our whole careers in court with a huge multinational <laughs> corporation. Yeah. Getting, getting sued isn't great. Getting, sh- getting sued by a shampoo provider. Not, not where we see ourselves in five years, but, uh, so we call the band Chevu. Uh, it's C H E V E U. And, uh, the name of the track is caution to the winds. And I got to tell you, dude, it was a blast to write this. Um, I didn't know what I was doing at all. So I had to Google like how to write a pop song and like, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, the whole thing. But uh, put it together, put it out. And it's kind of sweeping the campus such that like I've got these like bro dudes who I've, I've never met coming up, like quoting lyrics to me. They're like, cluck, bro. <laughs> they're like, when you, when you said you felt like a gunslinger and felt like a king in the bridge, man, they're like that, that hit hard, bro, you know? Um, so it's kind of become a thing, man. And it's been, uh, it's been fun. Like KK and the, and the mom's group, they're like Marco poloing each other about it. It's, uh, it's turned into a bit of a deal. Um, so maybe, maybe pipe, maybe you can drop it in the show notes with this app and we can get a little, a little national global traction for caution. Yeah. We'll, we'll give it some, uh, we'll give it some social media love sure. via, via our happy rant channels as well. The, so the thing that I noticed about yep. it was you know, so living in a city of songwriters, I've become uh, just a little bit more attuned to like lyrics that matter and <laughs> lyrics that don't. Yeah. And I would venture to say, for a pop song, this is on the high end of of lyrics that say actual things. Really, dude? Say, tell me more. Um, because I, well, I mean, it, I, I, I think I agree. I, I mean, it's it's look, it's not uh, it's not like it's not Bob Dylan, you know, the you greatest know. George George Jones heartbreaker <laughs> yeah. of all time kind of thing. But there's like. You you give like snapshots and and I can totally see. So here's the thing: it has the perfect like high school or college student listening to it and going, "That was totally my experience." Yes, I know exactly what he's talking yeah. about. It has that. So like these little snapshots of lyrics, and I was like, "This yes, it's really well done for what it is." Oh, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I kind of wrote it about me and KK's story a little bit, and um, just to make it fit the. The kind of pop paradigm, we kind of had to pair a lot out. But um, but yeah, that was basically s- snippets, snapshots of our story and uh, wanted to make it a little narrative. Pop music isn't known for telling a story at all. It's <laughs> known for just being like strings of lyrics yeah. with a with a, an earwig tune. Yeah, inane, repeatable. This definitely has the like the earwig tune. And let me let me read you some blurbs, Pipe. Um, I had one student say that she, I love that you have blurbs. We got blurbs, dude. This is amazing. Yeah, we're, we're going full. This is this is a full you know album release moment. So I had one student say that it. She felt like it was something that could be playing at Macy's in like 2012 when she was shopping. Um, I took that as a as a high compliment. 
Uh, I had a dude tell me that he could imagine like crying in the shower to this, um, which I think is <laughs> that's super that's high praise. Super high praise, absolutely. So uh, yeah, the buzz is just unbelievable, dude, and it's it's really been a whirlwind over the last forty eight hours. It's kind of changing can, our lives. Can you tease? Can you tease some of the lyrics for our listeners? You yeah. know, obviously it, it it hits different when there's the melody and the beat and everything, but you know, just the yeah. lyrics themselves. Maybe give us a, a stanza yeah. if you no, will. No, I will. I will, and totally. And and listeners, we'll put this uh, we'll put this on social so you can listen. But um, yeah, the payphone at my best friend's wedding line. That was in reference to a story where KK and I had been dating for like three weeks. And it was like fast, furious romance. I knew I was going to marry her, but she had already agreed to like be in her best friend's wedding like a year previous. So she had to like leave the state, go to this wedding. And she called me one night at, at like midnight and she was like, hey, there's this dude here. He's one of the groomsmen. He's like super coming on to me, you know, and I, I played it cool on the phone. I was like, baby. It's okay. You just have a great time. I trust you. Just remember what we have. And then I hung up the phone. I was with my buddy Russell, and I was like, "Get in the truck. We're driving to Arkansas." And uh, right. we were gonna, we were gonna like get your baseball. Exactly. Bat. We were gonna, and we were watching Goodfellas at the time. Believe it or not, it was just a perfect <laughs> oh, storm of yes. like youth, testosterone, the most violent movie imaginable, and uh, yeah, it was intoxicating. So. Uh, my dad literally like stood in the doorway of, of my house and like wouldn't let me leave to go like drive to Arkansas and fight this guy. <laughs> Don't go commit a felony, son. Yeah. It's not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, shout out Pops for that wisdom. But um, he also knew my truck wouldn't make it out of Indiana probably. So that would have been a, a whole a whole other set of circumstances. So that's Payphone at my best friend's wedding. Um, the bridge, I enjoyed the bridge because it was um, it was something like, you know, uh, I'm the football star. You're the theater girl. They say we'll never make it. Something that kind of energy on that. Um, and then there's a line: "When you kiss me on that imp- that midnight empty street, I walked home feeling like a gunslinger, feeling like a king." And that was where, like, KK and I had had our first kiss, and it was again at the end of a date, like in college. It was like two in the morning, and uh, I remember that night I walked home to my dorm, like down the middle of the street because it was two in the morning and I just felt like the king of the world. So um, that was a little, a little peek behind the songwriting curtain into the process there, Pipe. Also, Upland, Indiana hasn't actually installed sidewalks anywhere. So <laughs> Also in Upland, know, Indiana, that. I could probably walk down the middle of the street at like two in the afternoon and be fine. So... <laughs> That's um, right. Just dodge dodge the occasional like <laughs> truck hauling pigs or something. Exactly. There was a little, a little creative license there. Um, so yeah, man, that was, that, that was the deal. That's Shavu caution to the wind. Um, it's been a bit of a phenomenon. It was the perfect, like end of semester joke project to offset all the grading and all the monotony and, um, <laughs> you know, on the poster. So the poster is my face, Dave's face and like a hand making the ASL symbol for hair, um, which I, which I thought was like a nice touch. So um, that's become a bit of a phenomenon. People walking down the, that's a really nice head nod to those who won't be able to listen to the well, song. Dude, that's it. That's it. We, we just, just wanted to, just a, yeah, a real nice, like, Hey, this is for you too. At least, yeah. at least the we name. wanted to be inclusive. And, uh, that's, that's the kind of band we are moving forward, you know, and we'll, we'll hope that the decadence and the excess of the road doesn't tear us apart, you know, as people and, can can I ask one of those like Rolling Stone journalist <laughs> Dude, questions? Totally, you're going all Lester Bangs on it right now. I love it. Yeah. So you know, 
what's what's next for you after this great success? Like, where yeah. do you go from well, here? Pike, that's a great Chez question. I, I really appreciate it. And we we have given it some thought as a band. And um, I'm going to share something. Are you just trying to like live in the moment or do you have grand Well, plans? dude, we're trying to live in the moment for sure. And we want to be a one-hit wonder and that we want this to be a huge hit. And uh, we want to sell out. We want to see it in commercials. Um, so maybe, maybe Dwell can use it in the commercial. I don't know. Um, the, the possibilities are endless, but we have talked about, we've talked about another collab. So when you listen to the track, I'm sure you notice that like Dave Davis just sings like an angel. He's got like an unbelievable pop singing voice. And I have a, I have a gravelly old man, like cigars and other things voice. And, um, we want to, we want to do a country track, man. We want to do something that'll like take advantage of the low end and the, a little bit of the rasp and the growl in my voice. So yeah, you need to, you need to channel like your, uh, your Chris Christopherson. That's it, dude. Yeah. Late, late career, Chris Christopherson. And, uh, that's what I'm after, dude. I want to write a real hard hitter, man, a real, uh, a real hard hitting country track. And, uh, maybe Dave and I will get back into the studio and make some more, make some more magic, man. I mean, it's all about the music and and the work. We just love the work. So, um, are you thinking, are you thinking heartbreak song? Are you thinking, uh, like what, 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 uh, what direction are we going? I mean, country has a few things that it does really well. Like yeah. heartbreak, like the summer sort of like feel good, yeah. you know, drinking song. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, more of that. You know, there's some options. I'm thinking like small town nostalgia. You know what I mean? Small town, okay. Like yeah. Indiana cornfield, public school kind of nostalgic vibes. Um, you know, I, I know, I know you're not a bro country guy, so we're gonna try really hard I'm to not. stay out of that lane. But, um, but yeah, I'm thinking channel a little bit of that small town and and see. But I mean, the the small town nostalgia thing has been done really well by non bro country. It has. Like Alan Jackson's probably biggest hit ever was Chattahoochee, which is. Got a couple of the best like small town Saturday night lines of any country. Totally do. So yeah, we're going small town bowling alley, um, you know that kind of energy with it. And, I think I think one of my one of my favorite lines from a country song is from that one where he's he's talking about you know sitting in the backseat of his car and he says I was willing but she wasn't ready so I settled for a burger and a grape snow cone. Dude, that's phenomenal. <laughs> like, that if that doesn't sum up being seventeen, that's outstanding. Being seventeen in a small town. You know, that's pretty much the extent of it right there. That's so good, dude. Now, Pipe, what do you think? Because, you know, Ronald gets real, like, skittish and squeamish whenever we talk about music or the music business. Like, given that this is a joke project, I, I wonder I wonder what his response to it would have been. I think Ronnie is really reluctant to give anybody feedback on their art. Uh-huh. yeah. Even though you're like, no, this is not art. Right. This is a joke project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I don't know that I've ever heard him. I don't know that I've ever heard him give an explicit opinion on music. I don't think I've ever heard him give another musician credit either. Like, unless it was like, yeah, the Smiths. It's, it's or, not. Yeah, it, it's not that he's only positive. It's that he's a he's a void. Yeah, <laughs> he's a void of comments. <laughs> he is, man. He is. He keeps it mysterious when it comes to that stuff. So. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe if Dave and I get back into the studio and we go like full mopey kind of British guy liner, you know, kind of, kind of a joy division vibe with it. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe that would, would get onto Ronald's radar a little bit. Yeah. Like a little, 
It has to be if you modeled it after the music that influenced him. Exactly. Not so. Not the music that he makes, but, but the, the music, music influences that, like, him. Influenced yeah, for him. sure. I could. I could see him giving it. You know, you could get like a half smile and a nod, and like, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's the last kind of music that I think Dave and I would want to make, though. But you never know. If we stay in the business for decades, I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll get there eventually. But uh, yeah, fun times, Pipe. Thanks for listening. Uh, maybe play it for your girls. You know, we there, there's a. I've been told there's a bit of a Carly Rae Jepsen kind of energy to it. So, um, I yeah, there there definitely is. Like, the, yeah, I heard. I listened to about three bars of it, and I was like, oh yeah, I I know exactly what this is. <laughs> exactly, just, just stylistically. Exactly. Yeah, we we kept it simple for sure. Um, Piper, speaking of keeping it simple, and maybe too simple, um, you texted about a phenomenon that's happening right now, which is pastors plagiarizing sermons from each other. And you're, you're going to have to bring me up to speed on like cases of this recent cases of it. Yeah. Why anybody would want to do it, et cetera. So, uh, the, Funny enough, the same journalist who came up in an earlier episode when we were talking about the kind of the balance between religion, journalism and gossip and it raised a bit of which a is the thing we're that we're definitely that not us. talking about at all on this episode. Yeah, we're not talking yeah. about that right now. Same journalist broke a story and, and, and kind of delved into the um, the realm of pastors plagiarizing other pastors sermons. Mm-hmm. And one of the most notable instances was a guy who I think is from Michigan okay. um, who who just stole entire like an entire Mark Driscoll sermon <laughs> line for line, at least at least big chunks of it. And not just like quoting him, but like just using his sermon. Amazing. And the thing is, like this all this all hit the news and I was like, oh, pastors have been doing this forever. Really? Ever since sermons started going on the internet, yeah. pastors at churches have been taking more notable pastor sermons and passing them off at their own. Or, or just illustrations from like sure. I remember when I was in college. I think I've told the story in the podcast before. So, when I was a freshman in high school, my dad started um, preaching through Romans. Mm-hmm. When I left for college, he was at about Romans six or seven. <laughs> so I I go off to college. He's nothing if not thorough. Trying, yeah, he's yeah he's a little Martin Lloyd Jonesy. Uh-huh. Um, I get to you know I get to Wheaton, start looking for churches in the area, attend one church. Happens to be preaching through Romans a little bit behind my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's preaching through Romans 6. He gets to a certain text and uses a really familiar sermon illustration. Mm. And I'm sitting there going, huh, this is very deja vu. Why do I know this? And then I realized like eight weeks prior, wow. I had heard my dad preach the exact <laughs> same illustration. And this guy just took it. And he didn't say, you know, it wasn't like, oh, John Piper said he explains it this way. Huh. He was just like worked it into his thing. So that's a thing that that's a thing that's been happening. So I, I I don't know what I think it's probably just the kind of thing that will be a story every few years until yeah. you know we just shame pastors into writing their own sermons. Um but yeah, that's the phenomenon. And I the irony of it is that he stole a Mark Driscoll sermon because you know, that's not uh, that's not a name that has a lot of shine on it these that's days. That's true. I wonder if it was like an early like screamo Driscoll sermon, or if it was one of the more, some of his more recent work. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure because they they did a follow up report that said the moment like we called them for comments about that message, then it disappeared off their website. Like oh, they pulled the whole thing. Man. So they're they're 
they're running and hiding. Yeah, dude. It's it's got to be one of those things and I've never pastored so I can't I can't fully understand it, but like I guess if you're really busy and you've got to preach a sermon on Sunday and you're you don't love the sermon writing process, I mean, yeah, the the past 20 years have made it such that you can just go grab a sermon and just run with it and and even like a couple of years ago when we were promoing that sermon that uh Spurgeon study Bible, they would run like entire pages with like notes from his sermons. And I'm like, huh, if somebody had this Bible, they could just straight up give like a Spurgeon sermon. Um, yeah. The thing is like Spurgeon didn't manuscript though. Yeah. So it's a one page outline, yeah, outline that he went 45 minutes on or whatever. Right. <clears throat> and you know, you have to be a little bit more prepared or gifted to do that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The thing that, so to, to, to be a little bit less haha about yeah. it, the thing that that gets me is preaching is not a merely a communication of information. That's right. You know, because if that's all it was, we wouldn't need pastors. Right. You know, we could we could just you could rotate through reading homilies, or you could play. You know, you could play any old podcast. Sure. Of, you, six preachers could cover the entirety of Christendom <laughs> or something right. like that. That's right. Yeah. There, there's a there's a personal aspect because yeah, the pastor is the shepherd. There's a what is the Holy Spirit giving this pastor from this text? Like mm-hmm. obviously they're doing the exegesis, but the in terms of emphasis, yeah. in terms of passion, in terms of even just the unique communication styles, you know, some pastors are a little bit more down home. Some are a little bit more esoteric. Some are, you know, fire breathing dragons and others are very calm. Yeah. All of them have, you know, and you can be gifted in all of those ways. You lose all of that when you plagiarize. Totally. Like you're, that guy just replaced the Holy Spirit with Mark Driscoll. Exactly. Exactly. What is Mark giving me? What I'm going to channel my inner Mark. Like that sounds right. You know, replace Mark Driscoll with John Piper, and it's just as bad. It's not that's not a shot at any particular man. Yeah. It's it's just a it feels like gross negligence on the the role of what a pastor should be doing. Yeah, I totally agree. And I wonder, I mean, I wonder where it comes from in, in the sense of like at the level of the heart. I wonder if there's a sense of well, this worked well for this guy, so why wouldn't I try it? I I, I wonder if we've become so blinded by the the fame platform influence um, that whole aspect of things. And, and people are so, you know, stretched thin chasing all these different things that maybe there's not the respect given to like the process of just sitting silently with a text and some commentaries and like waiting to see what, what the spirit does to you as you prepare to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think there's, so I think, I think, I think that's part of it. I think there's a comparison aspect Mm -hmm. You know, certain preachers get fame and fortune by preaching, yeah. which is weird. That's a weird thing. It's very weird. But it but it exists. Yeah. And so there's a constant comparison. Like the first time I preached at Emmanuel, I had to fight the mentality of I'm walking into the pulpit that Ray Ortland filled for 12 years. Yeah. I will never in my life preach a sermon as good as what Ray preaches mm-hmm. because because of the gifts that God has given him and the dedication and ministry that he puts into it and the fact that I'm not a weekly preacher I'm a filling guy. Yeah. So just the and, and and just a constant like it it is so much work. Yeah. to just focus on 
what is God giving me to do from this text for these people for these 35 minutes or whatever? Yeah. Instead of going, how does it compare to this? How would this person do it? I'm going to, you know, and kind of, you can just get spun up in that. Totally. And then I think, I think the other aspect of it is kind of the imposter syndrome sensor. I think there's a lot of pastors who are just, they feel like fakes. Yeah. You know, they feel inadequate mm-hmm. in the role. Mm-hmm. And so they, uh, plagiarizing is a way of like, well, they, that, that worked. Yeah. So I'm going to grab what works. Yeah. Instead of really believing that God put me here on purpose. Yeah. And there, there's a real grabbing what works kind of mindset that's operative all over like the leadership industry and the church leadership, church growth kind of industry where you're, yeah. you're laying these templates of what worked for somebody else over the, you know, the, the makeup of your church and hoping that it, that it also works. But dude, I can tell you from the aspect of a lay person. So from my perspective of just being in the pew every Sunday morning, the church we go to is tremendous. I love it. And we've got, we got four or five pastors, but we've got one guy who does, I would say the lion's share of the teaching and he's phenomenal. Like he's just really, really gifted, really good, really humble, really vulnerable. And I always love like hearing from him. And when we first started going there, I would sort of, I would be more excited when he was preaching, but I I can honestly say as I've gotten to know the other guys and gotten to know their hearts, gotten to know their gifts, they're all very different from one another, but I love hearing from each and every one of them. And they each like bring something a little bit different to the pulpit, but it's all grounded in the fact that I know they love the word and I know they work hard and I know they, I know what they do for the church outside the study. You know, I, I, I know just how hard they work and how much they love it. And as a result, like I really, there isn't that sense of, you know, oh yeah, but they're not as good as this guy or this famous guy or this podcaster or whatever. Um, I think when you really love your church and you really love your pastors, you do love hearing from them. And uh, hopefully that's a a note of encouragement. And I think you said said two phrases in that that I think, make total that that make all the difference mm-hmm. in what you're saying. The first is you you said you, you described one of the preachers as vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That idea that like he's giving his heart totally. to the sermon. So you're hearing you're hearing kind of from his guts. Mm-hmm. Like this is what this is what he's putting into it. There's sort of a putting himself on the line. Mm-hmm. And the second is hearing from your pastor. Yeah. Even if you write a sermon, it doesn't mean your people are hearing from you. Right. And, you know, they're hearing your mouth, but like they can just be hearing information that anybody could have shared. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's commentary, it's observation, it's whatever. Preaching is something else, which is, you know, that's the hardest aspect of preaching for me, Yeah, is getting from information to to self. But yeah, once, I, I feel the same way. You know, we have, TJ Timms is our lead pastor, and he does the the vast majority of our preaching, and I love it when he preaches, but Sam Albury preaches sometimes, and John Farmer preaches sometimes, and Ray comes back and preaches sometimes. And I'm never disappointed when any of them step up and preach exactly. because they're so dramatically different. Yeah. But you're hearing from this man who was called to give this message and they and they give themselves to it. Yeah. And you cannot do that if you plagiarize. Dude, totally. And undergirding that, though, all of it is a real like deep baseline respect for the calling, the office. It's more than a job. It's more than just like a rhetorical exercise that you're trying to get right. And and quite frankly, it's more than just being a gifted communicator and using your gifts. Um, because in, and maybe it's a function. I think you and I swim in some similar waters where we're, 
around gifted communicators on a semi-regular basis, like that really does get boring. Like I don't need to hear another slick speaker. Um, I've heard enough slick speakers in my life. Like it's not, it's not impressive anymore. (laughs) Um, I really want to hear from somebody's heart. And I, I think the other baseline aspect of that is knowing your pastors, caring about your pastors, knowing where their hearts are. And, and yeah. that's a big part of like wanting to hear like what the Lord is doing to them through a text, you know? Yeah. I think one of the most, one of the most encouraging things to me, and it happened in a very, like a recent Sunday at our church is, you know, we get there early to kind of go through a walkthrough of the service and uh, the, the preacher that Sunday, he's like, Hey, I can only be in here for a minute. Cause I'm still working on my sermon. And and my first thought was, wait, you waited this long? And then I realized he wrote an entire sermon. Mm -hmm. And then on Saturday night, just had the realization that there's something else in this text that needs to be brought out. And so he was redoing his sermon. Yeah. And I'm like, this, this is, this is what preaching is is supposed to come from. Yeah, that's right. Somebody who's so giving themselves to it that when the, you know, when the spirit is like, actually you're, the people need to hear this aspect of the text, or this is the real point of it. You just redo it. You're not just kind of going with the the spit shined and polished outline that you settled on on Thursday. Dude, do you feel like as you've gotten older, you've gotten better at that? Because for me, and I, I haven't probably preached as much as you guys, but like just speaking for the last decade and a half since we've been doing the book thing, like there were years when I was younger and slicker and probably funnier, but like, harder of heart where I would just write the talk and give it. Um, But now like the experience is a bit more like what you're describing where right up until it's time to go on, you're kind of chewing on it, you know, and, and being changed a little bit by it. And that's such a better way to do it. Um, Yeah. And I, I think it's a, it's a nice argument for getting older. There's very little about getting older that I'm excited about, but that one of the things that that I am excited about is that, and maybe seeing that get better, you know. Well, and it it also comes. So there's a twofold aspect. One I hope is growing in humility. The other is just confidence that if this is going to work, it's not my doing anyway. Right. Like when I'm at my slickest and best and most compelling, mm-hmm. it it can land like a lead balloon. Totally, you know, totally. Because <laughs> because God might not be in that. Yeah, dude. And we, and, and so the fr- yeah, I've had that experience where I felt yeah. like really confident going into a talk. And then I'll I'll finish it and just be like, yeah, you know, that went well on paper, but it didn't probably do anything. Yeah, when when I do that, it feels a little bit like, you know, getting on a hot shooting streak in an empty gym. Yeah, you yeah, know, feels really good, and n- n- it mattered to nobody. Exactly. Um, yeah, and so so hopefully humility and confidence, but then also yeah, just the recognition that there's nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. If you stand up there and you stumble through a couple parts because you didn't have it perfectly memorized, right. it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And if you're kind of putting yourself on the line so you you are more vulnerable, you make yourself sound a little bit less kind of pulled together in the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. So, so? Yeah. <laughs> that's what people need to hear. People are compelled by that, not not the kind of the, the perfect like setup, setup, spike kind of yeah. uh kind of communication totally and it's so funny that like there are whole industries devoted to like getting people perfect at that and you know but oftentimes so often the best preachers the people that we 
connect with the most as a, you know, as, as people in the pew are, are not the folks that are the slickest. Um, I think there's a good, there's a good lesson in there somewhere, you know, all the time and the resources that we're spending on image and public speaking and leadership and all that stuff would probably be better spent. Like just read the passage a few more times, you know, sitting, yeah. sitting the quiet with it a few, a few more minutes and maybe something good comes out of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. I'm, and that's not to say that preparation isn't, you know, isn't necessary. It's not saying that like slickness is preparation and this means come in and just sort of like, what's the spirit going to give me on the spot, but kind of be preparing both heart and manuscript up to the moment you step up there. Like I, I pretty much sit, if I'm preaching on a Sunday or speaking somewhere, I have a pen in hand with my manuscript Mm -hmm. Up till, you know, the moment I'm being introduced. Yeah, I do that basically. too. And, and usually when I go up there, it's, it's all scribbled upon as I think of, you know, things in the, in the moment that I want to add to it. But, uh, yep. yeah, it's fun, man. It's, it's, uh, it's challenging and it's scary. And some of the best, some of the talks I think that in retrospect have gone the best have been some of the ones that I've been the most scared of, uh, or the most nervous about. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a good thing for me. It's good for me to feel a little scared. And um, yeah, whenever I preach in a church, I get really nervous just because it's a it's a weighty thing, you know. Oh yeah, it's <clears throat> preaching at preaching at a church is always the the most nerve wracking for me. Yeah, yeah. Any you know con- conferences, retreats, those kinds of things are they're substan they're substantial. They matter, mm-hmm. but but preaching on a Sunday morning has always been a thing that like it. It's the thing that makes me feel the absolute most um, kind of inconsequential mm. and, I mean, as compared to the task. Yeah. And uh, and just kind of like, oh, I'm I'm tiny and this is a big thing. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, Pipe, that's a good note to end on. We were going to have some ha-has about another thing. I'm looking at the show notes. It was the fact that Drisky is like the face of the National Day of Prayer per Pray.com. Or at least Pray.com's National Day of Prayer. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that pray.com was a thing, but uh This was a this was an ad that popped up on my Instagram and then I went to his mm-hmm. or so I think Mark Driscoll sponsored it. Okay. Sponsored his own post yeah. to push that he is the face of this thing and fascinating. That was Yeah, dude, that, there was just a the whole approach yeah, is, the whole the whole thing is really compelling. Was enough to make me kind of chuckle. <laughs> totally, dude. Driscoll's looking uh he's a, he's in the black. Yeah, that black button down. Um looking looking very Arizona, very Scottsdale. Um, yeah. So can not, I think we need to go? You know, thirty seconds on his look these days. I went through. You know, I kind of went down the Driscoll uh, rabbit hole a little bit uh, just to kind of see where he's at. Both what's he saying, and then how's he looking? Yeah. A very tan. Yeah, very tan. But he's not painting the hairline anymore. I don't think that's good, dude. That's a good pivot away from painting the yeah. hairline. Yeah, so which is it, and and honestly, it works for him because it it fits the rugged a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a, t- a touch more grizzled. Yeah, but he uh, his like jacket and then these kind of heavy duty button down that are that are equal parts like flannel and jacket. Yeah, he's very consistent, mm-hmm. and it's a good look on him, dude. It is a good look, and and yeah, I mean, I've I've noticed the same things, pipe, and not to get too deep into the middle-aged man fashion weeds here, but I think <clears throat> as our, as our bodies, because we would never do, such we, a we would never do something so shallow after having such a legitimately good talk about preaching. But, um, 
I think as our bodies change and we get a little older, like, I don't know about you, but I'm looking for some structure. You know what I mean? I'm looking for a garment yes. that it, it covers some things up. And uh, I think maybe that's the space that Drisky's in, but but I'm with you, man, 100%. Like, he's he's really pulling off the sort of rugged, tan, like, Scottsdale guy thing without without verging into, like, you know, Louis Giglio, growth hormone... I look like I'm 33 from the neck down and like 83 from the neck up. Um, yeah, and it's and it's not the military jacket or anything. It's a, right. it's like you know a subtle denim, subtle leather, subtle flannel, kind of single monotone light. You know, uh, muted colors. Like really, really well done. Whoever his whoever his stylist is, I don't know if it's his wife or like he has somebody on staff or you know whatever it is. There was a, there's a strong. There's a strong direction happening there that really, uh, it, I, I don't know. I was very impressed because you know in the past with his you know his affliction t-shirts mm-hmm. and big huge leather straps on his arms and stuff. There was a lot <laughs> going on that has now. Yeah, that's just been he's grown up. It's been left in his youth. Trisky's grown up a little bit, pipe, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm excited for him. Uh, he's now he's the face of Prey.com. So. Uh, Shout out Drisky for uh, for at least a day. Always doing a great job for at least a day. For at least a day, we need to we need to find his uh, apparel provider and and get a little partnership going. Maybe we can find ourselves into some like heavily structured black button downs that would be slimming for us as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a little disappointed to see he wasn't wearing an Erwin McManus anorak, but dude, you know, it, I, it doesn't it doesn't fit the look. That's still the funniest thing ever, man. Like how a pastor <laughs> could be like, you know what I really need in my ministry. A twenty five hundred dollar jacket with my name on it, like that's the thing, you know. <laughs> um, that's so crazy. I think, and okay, so the jackets were obscenely expensive. Okay, mm-hmm. that's whatever. The fact that there was a hundred and forty dollar t shirt that is it's, right. it's a blank t shirt. It was a white and t-shirt. it's called the yeah. It's the Irwin T. The Irwin T. Unbelievable, and the, dude. And that's the difference between an eighteen dollar t shirt and a hundred and twenty eight dollar t shirt. Well, dude, and even the fact that like, so I I. I always equate everything. I always bounce things off the world of sports and like fame in the world of sports. And you take a sports figure like Michael Jordan, universally recognized around the globe, international superstar, you know, perhaps the greatest athlete to ever live, whatever that could be debated. But he has the, the, the Jordan like jump man clothing line and their low end t-shirt is you could probably get it for 25 bucks. With Jordan's logo on it, the greatest athlete of all time. And yet Erwin Raphael McManus thinks, you know what I need is a basic white t-shirt um, with some words in a very basic font, and it'll be 183 bucks. You know, uh, it's just astonishing to me. I mean, I'm sure there's a scalability thing. You know, Jordan's selling yeah. more shoes and more apparel than any other branded name. But even so... If Jordan wanted to release a $2,500 anything, he could, and it would sell. Did you ever see the Three Amigos, dude? That Steve Martin comedy from the 80s? <laughs> yes. I wonder if Erwin Raphael McManus has like a room full of like people at his church on sewing machines, just like putting all that gear together. And that's why it's so expensive. Because <laughs> he has to pay him like LA like living wages, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it's like one person at his church who's hand-stitching all that stuff. That could be, dude. The ultimate. I would love to get a look at the sales numbers. I would too. So maybe, 
maybe McManus Co. They could they could share their their like year end uh, annual report with us as a program, and we can we can delve into the numbers a bit. But yeah, we're pounding we're pounding the table for transparency. <laughs> exactly. Pipe. Speaking of numbers, uh, we've got a Patreon app to do because we got to keep we got to keep our financials where they need to be. Uh, so I'm going to say that we've done what we always do in this program, which is wander to and fro throughout some topics. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.